Hello, dear listeners. Welcome back to the Move Nourish podcast. Today, we are going to be continuing with the sort of elemental metaphor for understanding digestion and understanding the pillars of good digestion that we began in the previous episode. So the last episode, we talked about digestive fire and how what elements of good digestion the element of air represents. And so if you have not listened to that episode, go back and listen to that. This one will make a lot more sense because today we are going to be moving on to the other components that are maybe a little bit lesser known, although they're becoming more popular and we might be talking about them using different language, but you might actually recognize some of the pieces that we're talking about here. And this may Our hope and our prayer for you, dear listener, is that this is a way for you to organize your thinking around these sort of cardinal points of like earth, air, fire, water as an overall metaphor for building healthy digestion. So last time we talked about digestive vitality, which is like your cauldron, your furnace, the the juices that you need to do the thing, and then the movement that you need to make sure the things are moving through when they need to and how they need to and that everything is getting where it needs to go when it needs to get there. Today, we are going to be talking about the foundation of the house, if you will, right? So the actual brick and mortar, the structure of it, the tissue integrity, and then also the element of water and what the importance of moisture in digestion, in robust and healthy digestion. I feel like last time we talked about the cauldron metaphor a little bit, Mm -hmm. the fire underneath Mm -hmm. the cauldron, making sure you're cooking that digestive soup enough and then air as being Mm -hmm. how you need to stir the cauldron. Well, today we're talking about having enough water in the cauldron so you're not scorching anything and that you're making a soup that's Yeah, you gotta have some moisture in there. liquid enough. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're talking about the cauldron itself, like maybe the seasoning on our cast iron cauldron, the structure Yeah, there can't be any cracks in the pot. You won't Uh -uh. want stuff leaking out. Yeah, you can't have the soup leaking onto the fire. Yeah, Mm -mm. exactly. Okay. Great. Wonderful. So it feels like water is a good entry point for that. I think in the metaphor of if we're making soup in a cauldron, right? If you don't put water in it, then you're just burning things in the bottom of it. You're just like burning things. Things are dried out. So the element of water here, there's a, a very important... Hydration is important for so many things, right? All the body processes, that's so mundane and like trite at this point, right? But One of those that it's really important for is digestion. You can give yourself constipation by not drinking enough water at at its most basic level, right? Like you need to lubricate these tissues in order and these processes like stomach acid needs enough water to make it like bile need your bile can get dried out, right? You can have not Mm -hmm. enough water and hydration to make what's happening in here is liquid, right? So there needs to be enough water in order to make that happen. And there also needs to be the slip and slide. Right. There needs to be like the yeah. slip and slide of mucosa that serves several functions, protective functions. If you don't have enough mucosa in your stomach, you that's how you get ulcers because your stomach acid is in direct contact with the muscular wall of the stomach and that's not supposed to happen. So we're talking about having enough moisture, but then also this idea of mucosa. So can let's give people just like a 30 seconds of what is mucosa and what why? is its role? Like why? Like. What is this slip and slide metaphor on the inside of our digestive tract that is so fundamental and required in order for everything to be when it needs to be? In medicinal traditions, there was this idea of a little bit of yin and yang between fire Mm. and water. If you have not enough water element in the digestive system, then even the right amount of fire can burn you. And so there's this Mm -hmm. like kind of Mm teeter-totter 
play with even if our fire is low if the water is extra low we can still dynamic not tension have if you will yes but the mucosa and it in addition to performing a protective area mucosa is slimy it's we think about the juice of okra it's snotty in a way and so that also allows for three big functions a it is protecting against our own digestive fire b it as an example of ulcers and stomach acid yes yeah b is it is slowing down you just had balloons is that what happens when i do this i know i don't i'm i think that's this i don't know Whoa. Wow. Okay. No, it was a peace sign. Anyway, <laughs> distracted. Sign? Okay. Sorry. Okay. Protective. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the coast in that slimy sense allows things to slow down as it's moving through the gut. So that mm. means that our the nutrients that are being acted upon by our fire element that are being digested by the mm. stomach acid, by the Enzymes emulsified and bile by bile, and, mm-hmm. by enzymes, they are moving instead of moving through water and the enzymes have to catch them they're moving through snot (laughs) and so they as they get closer to the lining of the intestines they're like oh okay and then it's easier for the enzymes to act upon them thirdly the immune system is able to act on stuff that's not supposed to be there through that same slowing down, mm. it slows down nutrient foods that the Bottle enzymes can break yep. down. It's a checkpoint. But then it also slows down yeah. any critters or toxins or things that don't need to be there, and the immune system's able to take care of things. So that's a. I, yeah, that, helps like with the like. It's the... like you know what it makes me think of is the customs line at an airport. You yes. know where they make you like walk back and forth. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that was a very good, that's a very good way of explaining it. You can think of some of the other areas that we have mucosa where it's primarily for protection. It's to slow down mm-hmm. in your nose and your sinuses. It's there to just slow down critters in our gut. It's yep. more multifaceted because it's also helping the digestive process. Yes. Yeah. So hopefully that makes the case for you, dear listener of this is a vital, important part of the digestive process we don't often think about it but if you think about just like mucosa in general and like how prevalent and how like ubiquitous snot of one species or another is in the body right like top bottom like the whole system that idea of goop if you will for lack of a better time and wetness serves many important functions in multiple body systems but today like the digestive system so oh last little when that last last little tidbit Mm -hmm. is we'll be talking about very soon the importance of gut bacteria. And so mm. the mucosa is also right. crucial to provide the right habitat in the intestines for yes. our yeah. good bacteria mm-hmm. to live. So, sorry. Yes, no, absolutely. No, that's okay. So I think, I know in our last episode we did it a little bit differently, but I think today it, may, it makes a little bit more sense to me to jump into talking about demulsants right away, and then yeah. we can switch to talking, and then we'll talk about earth, because we just have one category of herbs, and there's less overlap than there was last time. So... When this goes awry, when we are dried out, when for whatever reason we are not making enough mucosa or it's not getting where it needs to be and we, or we don't have enough what have you or tissues are inflamed and so they're burning through it or like they need more, they need to be coated and soothed at a higher rate and so there's a higher demand for it. There's one big category of herbs that we can divide into a couple of subcategories that really helps very specifically address and coat and soothe and nourish 
the mucosal tissue and that the that category is called demulsance and so Forrest gave the example of okra any and just to circle back to foods are medicine as well of course right we know this and an example of a demulsant food would be okra Okra. another one that people know would be oatmeal right Mm -hmm. goopy think about the goopiness of oatmeal when uh, you are seeds yes chia seed pudding so that polysaccharide rich goop is medicinal in the sense of it is helping to almost replace or bolster your body's natural amount of mucosa. So it basically chemically looks a little bit similar. And so it can kind of give you a little bit of extra support in that department if you are not, if there's somewhere where you're not getting enough demulsant or mucosal yeah. activity. And then there are also herbs, of course. There's, yeah. and there's subcategories. That's where we'll get into the subcategories of herbs. But know that there are foods that are demulsant, like okra, like oatmeal. What's another one? I know there's more. Nopales. Nopales, yeah. Chia, yeah. yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nopal yeah, the cactus. nopales cactus, yeah. So the, yeah, yeah. like, the sliminess of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The goopiness of there's, it. Aloe vera, um, although we wouldn't really eat that as a food. But um, There's also a, I think you might know the name. I'm not very good with Arabic, but it's a jute mallow that's used as a slimy oh. stew in Lebanese cuisine. Mm, um, yeah, no, I don't remember. We've talked about this before, and I've since forgotten the name. Malabar spinach is also another one that Malabar comes to mind. Malabar spinach. Really yeah, that's, yeah. that's, mm-hmm. a, that's yeah. a slimy one. I don't know what That's culture. a slimy one. That's from, like, New Zealand, right? Yeah, I'm not sure where Malabar spinach is. I've grown it, yeah. but I've not, yeah. This category we're starting to describe in foods is what, in herbal medicine, we'd call typical demulsants. They're slimy mm. in texture. Yeah, okay. They're um, goopy, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're goopy. They have you. You cook them or prepare them, and they have that viscous slime. And we know, oh, that's a demulsant mm-hmm. because it's got right. And so there are herbals examples of that of those typical demulsant like marshmallow root, slippery um, I, elm, slippery elm. Though I mm-hmm. slippery elm is one I don't use very much because it's yeah. Um, we gotta be. It's yeah. It's over harvested. Sustainability mm-hmm. thing. There's also a Siberian elm that is oh. a lot more sustainable. That folks listening from like New Mexico, Colorado, and West can probably mm. find. I think it's okay. pretty popular there, common mm-hmm. there. With marshmallow, in addition to the root, the leaves are demulcent. And mm. while marshmallow is famous for having its big slimy roots, all of the mallow family have ah. slimy leaves. And so, well, you can okra's get... also in the mallow family, so that yeah, makes sense. Okra's also there mm-hmm. too. Yeah, but you can get like. Musk, the Turk's cap mallow, the mm. hibiscus oh, yeah. leaves. Mm-hmm. Hibiscus, all of those yep. have a. That's also in the mallow family, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's lots of fun, slimy plants you can find. Another one in the south is sassafras leaf. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's a nice slime. Yeah. And then, in addition to the typical demulsants, we right. also have atypical demulsants or uh, non-typical yeah. demulsants, atypical demulsants like sweet demulsants. Like, the one that comes to my mind immediately, of course, is licorice, licorice mm-hmm. root, true licorice yes. root. Dear listeners, most of many of you who have had, who don't like the flavor of licorice have probably only ever had licorice candies, which are often made with anise. So yes. I, I would caution you to not write it off too soon because the flavor of true, true licorice is actually quite delightful. But yeah, yeah that one's not goopy. But it's still, but it's, it's what they, still what Jim McDonald would call a sweet demulsant. Yeah. Yes. It has that same moisture giving quality. And you look at how licorice was used historically. It's used clinically in ulcers and things like that, but mm-hmm. also used 
more run-of-the-mill when you're feeling like your digestion is a little bit irritated and maybe yeah after you've thrown up maybe Mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. Yeah. i think about that like raw feeling and so interestingly enough just a sort of organoleptic or like a sensory piece that may connect with you dear listeners if you have had real licorice you may notice like in a throat coat tea or in some of the teas that have licorice root or licorice root extract in them you'll drink the tea and then everything that you eat for the next or drink for like the next couple of hours tastes like licorice. Yes. That's because the licorice the is coating. coating your tongue. Your tongue is a muc- mm. your mouth is a mucus membrane. And so the licorice is doing its job. It's coating your tongue in order to provide like a temporary balm, like a salve yeah. for the inside of your body. And that's licorice doing its job. So you may have experienced that. And that is you experiencing the medicinal effect of a demulcent, right. of an atypical demulcent. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm back to typical demulcents. I think we should say aloe vera. Oh, because oh yeah, I, I mentioned it earlier, but I didn't mention yeah. it in detail. Yeah, is is a great yeah, but that's one again that's very easily for people to you know mm-hmm. it's slimy, yeah grasp it's for juicy. sure. Goopy, yeah, mm-hmm. atypical yeah. demulcents. Yeah. Okay, back in typical demulcents. Back in atypical <laughs> demulcents. What about licorice? Or what about what besides licorice? Sorry. Besides licorice, that's where. Herbally, we have a lot of atypical kind of starchy roots, things like cottonopsis, like shatavari, mm, burdock, mm-hmm. Chinese yam. They, they provide that mm. moisture, even though they don't have that slimy scent in the same way we'd normally think of. Yep. I wonder, this is going off, uh, off historically... Off book? Sourced. Off book, yeah. I think I find that sweet potatoes, a lot of our, some of our starchy vegetables on a smaller note can give mm-hmm. a little bit of a moistening effect. And so maybe they're a type of atypical demulcent. But for the most part, I think mm, yeah. licorice is one of our best examples. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay, so that is water. Right, mucosal integrity, or supporting the mucosa and this element of both facilitating and then also slowing down through the system so that the, the immune system and the digestive system have time to do their magic. And so the importance of coating and soothing these mucosa, yeah. especially in particular circumstances. Fat would be the oh, other. Oh, yeah. So nutritionally, right, nutritionally fat would be the other sort of. Coating, because we think about water and mucus in this sense, but we also have the fat of the bilipid layers in the mucosa that's also part of this. And some of our atypical demulcents like mm. burdock and Solomon seal have a little bit of an oily quality, but we can also think there about yeah. mm-hmm. the place that eating olives and other and eating good fats in our meals and things still has that net moistening effect and can help the mucosa as well a lot. Yeah. Yeah, well, because moisture is oil and water, right? There's oil. If you think about the acid mantle of the skin, right? Like moisture is, when we say moisture herbally, what herbalists mean is they mean there's oil moisture and there's water moisture. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about our final element, which we have talked about fire, we've talked about air, we've talked about water, and we are talking now about earth Earth. and what the metaphor of earth does when thinking through healthy digestion. Earth represents tissue integrity yeah the literal ground underneath your feet the building blocks and the foundation like the walls and the roof of the structure of your actual digestive system which are built of tissues just like a brick 
house. So let's and talk a little bit about what can go wrong with that, what the, what role that plays. And we're obviously going to get just touch very lightly on like leaky gut and what happens yes. when the tissue integrity is compromised. Yeah, so I think that's the beautiful thing in the gut is like how it demonstrates the dynamicism of integrity, how it is the container. Right. It's, the, it's not it's just the, about locking everything out or letting everything in. It's not about locking everything mm-hmm. out. It's also about letting everything in. And so it provides mm-hmm. integrity through that dynamic of weighing those things out. If you Selective had, ju- integrity. If you yeah. had an earth element Selective in your gut like a stone and just weren't letting anything in, then we that's malabsorption and we die. But if we lose a lot of our integrity and become too permeable and we start letting things in that are not fully digested or things in that we didn't want to let into the first place, then we can start having reactions to it. And that's where, I guess, just to touch lightly on the leaky gut syndrome or increased intestinal permeability, we won't cover that in depth, but it's the idea that our intestines have to decide what gets let in and out. And when that integrity is loosened, to a great degree to where things are just hanging out too much is yep too much is Um, escaping Mm -hmm. too much is coming in then we have foods that are coming in before the digestive fire has been able to fully break them down we have things that Mm -hmm. the mucosa would normally have just shut it on down to be eliminated all of these little things that normally Mm -hmm. would not have been let in are moving into through the mucosa into the galt, which is the lymphoid the tissue itself. of the, of, yeah, it's yeah. into the body mm-hmm. itself. And when it gets in there, mm-hmm. it the immune system reacts to it and says, whoa, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, this isn't supposed to be here. Yeah. And it can be, be a benign here. thing, dear listeners. I think that's yeah. important is it may not, it's not going to be like a pathogen necessarily. And in most cases it's not, it's like this food that's not all the way digested or just slightly higher percentage of it than is supposed to be escaping. Cause there's, right. it's not entirely airtight. It's not supposed to be, but a and higher it, percentage it, of it starts escaping. And then we run into all of these issues. And then but to be clear, this happens all the time. It's normal that sometimes yep. things that aren't supposed to get in. And we, the immune system has a lot of mechanisms or for out. dealing with that. Mm-hmm. When it happens in a major mm-hmm. sense, that's when we get sick. But still, the immune system has a mechanism right. for doing it. What we see in this, again, to be covered later, leaky gut or increased intestinal permeability syndrome, is when this happens chronically, and then the immune system loses its ability to navigate that. And we either have... It's mm-hmm. not responding enough or it starts responding to things that we don't want it responding to. We end up with a lot of food sensitivities. We end up with autoimmune reactions and there's a whole autoimmune. place that that can go. But today we're just talking about what's the basis of keeping that healthy? What keeps yep. those tissues healthy and highly functioning? And the first thing that mm-hmm. we'd say is all the other elements. I think that earth is dependent on, we have strong digestive fire so that there's not too many of these poorly digested foods just sitting around. It's, we're wanting to have good air through motility so that things are moving through at a timely manner. They're not yep, moving through too fast. Supposed to. mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we need good mucosa, mucus 
a mucus layer that's basically if here's our earth layer, our water layer of mucus is sitting right on top of it, and it's its protective layer. Yep. And so it's mm-hmm. ground zero for any protection. The buffer. Yes. So first step mm-hmm. to helping earth is help the other elements. Earth is also a place that our next episode with gut bacteria is going to be really important because like the soil of the ground... Maybe not our next one, but an upcoming episode. In the upcoming, yes, yeah, sorry. Like the soil of the ground, our earth element in our gut is not devoid of microbial things. And so microbial health Micro- is very important for mucosal health as well. But yes. there are some things we can talk about right now for helping the integrity that tissue integrity yes but let's start herbally let's start herbally herbally. so the category of herbs dear listeners whose job it is to stimulate because in many cases when you lose this when you start to lose this tissue integrity it can be a nutrient question right you don't have the nutrients that you need to build it and or it can be a question of inadequate blood and lymph flow chronically over time, which there's that's a separate conversation of like chronic hypercortisolemia and stress and shunting blood flow away from your digestive organs for too much of the time. So it can go to the major muscle groups so that you can run from the bear. And so when you're constantly yeah. stressed over time, that adds up. So without getting too deep in the weeds, even though I just did, sorry, there is a category of herbs called vulneraries that are basically wound healing herbs that we can use from the inside out. So when they are in contact, when they come in contact with those tissues, they stimulate blood and lymphatic flow and tissue proliferation. Yes. One example that we may have come across that's quite popular is plantain. Plantain is a tissue vulnerary that is going to, it also is a little, I would say it's a little bit demulcent as well, depending on the preparation, especially fresh. And it's going to stimulate blood and lymph flow. It's also going to stimulate cellular tissue proliferation very mildly. There are stronger ones, but I think Forrest and I are in terms of like ones that are going to stimulate cellular proliferation much faster. But I think Forrest and I are both in the camp of we don't use comfrey internally, period. End of story. Sorry. There, there are differing schools of thought within herbalism on that, but that's where I land. So they're going to stimulate new cell growth, basically, to help you rebuild. So they're going to help you hire some builders that are going to come in and put bricks back in the wall. What's fun is you can think of, if you're familiar with herbal salves, a lot of the same herbs that we're using mm-hmm. to help yes. put in wound the wall herbs. when we have a scrape mm-hmm. or a wound, we're using internally. I've had clients, they're like, What's going yep. on here? The, the salve jar and my gut healing tea have the same things in them. Are you just same using thing. the same thing for everything? I'm like, no, it's just. A, but no, but yeah. So yes. In addition, kind of. in addition to plantain, workhorses that I use are calendula, uh, as well. Love as calendula. another little cute flower, chamomile, which has. Yep. Is a cool one. It's a. We think of it more as a nervine tea that you know helps with the nerves, helps with with upset digestion, but it actually has a lot of vulnerary abilities as well. And then I also love woundwort is what I'm thinking of, but it, it, there's a better common name, which is... Self-heal? Not, self-heal, yeah. That's the more commonly used word for it. Yes, yeah, self-heal mm-hmm. is a great one as well. Yeah. Any others that you like? Yeah, that one's great. Yeah. Oh, I mean, those cover. that's pretty much covers my big ones, right? Calendula is my ride or die. So yeah, mine too. she is never let me down and she, I just love her. And there's just that, there's also something I think about that like resinous quality of her. She's just, oh, I just love calendula. And then in addition to the herbal vulnerary, like in addition, so tissue integrity, right, can be supported through herbal vulnerables, And that's where you're starting to see like gut healing teas and things oh. like that. And that's a significant component of your gut healing teas. I guess the other one is trifla. 
which is actually three three herbs. Oh yeah. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, trifla is an Ayurvedic a, formulation. It's an Ayurvedic mm-hmm. formulation. It's famous for that it like is trophy restorative in gut stuff because you can give it in diarrhea and in constipation and it figures out how to help both. But it actually has mm. tissue proliferation effects on the gut wall. So it would fit into this category as well. Yeah. Okay. It, but in addition to herbs, we can also use other things to help support yes. tissue integrity. And that's, this, these might be, dear listener, the things that might ring a bell because they're becoming quite popular and they have become quite popular as yes. health supplements. For example. For example, collagen. Yeah. So we utilize collagen for the formation of connective tissue, which is one of the main tissues mm-hmm. in the lining. So in the mucosal, in the gut lining we're talking about, we have a web of collagen connective tissue with little enterocytes that are populated through it. And so collagen is made out of amino acids that are considered non-essential because we can make them in the body using other amino acids. So theoretically, we don't need to eat collagen food sources because we can make it ourselves. In reality, those processes may be a lot faster and slower in different people in different under different stress loads there's there's questions as to what that looks like historically if we look at the ratio of eating collagen rich meaty cuts versus pure muscle tissue cuts was a lot more balanced than it is today so now we get a lot more methionine rich steaks, ground beef, things like that. And we're not getting as much glycine, proline, all these amino acids that form collagen as we used to. And so supplementing with it Mm -hmm. is getting unpopular for a variety of reasons in structural health, but also in gut health. It it will help with forming that strong gut integrity. So in addition Mm -hmm. to collagen supplements themselves, which you can buy everywhere now, eating odd cuts of meat that have more collagen, bone broth as Mm -hmm. the OG collagen supplement, and even using gelatin, which what we call collagen in a supplement is just a hydrolyzed collagen, which means that if it won't gel up into jello, if you put it in the refrigerator, but if you're drinking it hot, you can do the same thing with a good quality gelatin as with the collagen supplement. And that's the one that you probably have heard of, dear listeners, because that's the one that is lauded and for good reason. But again, like Forrest was mentioning, there are ways around buying $40 worth of collagen supplements and there's perfectly valid and probably more bioavailable ways to get to the same conclusion that are more bioavailable, more cost-effective, more sustainable. Yeah, but for folks that don't have the time for that, do the collagen. Yeah, Yeah. it is good. It is good stuff. Yeah. It is important. <laughs> and then lastly, Forrest, you were blowing my mind before we started recording just now, tell, talking okay. about, because I knew the first part of this. I knew the first part of this, but I did not know the second part of it. So the okay. last one, if you are like me, if you are an umami mommy, if you love umami, I have very good news for you. Well, rather, Forrest has very good news for you, because I'm going <laughs> to let him take the lead on this one as well, because I think his understanding of it is a little bit more than mine at this point. But my understanding, if I can, this is, I feel like, maybe where more people are at, and then we can build on that. My understanding of umami is that 
the chemical responsible for the flavor that we know of as umami is glutamate or glutamates. And so those foods that are naturally glutamate-rich foods, vine-ripened tomatoes like steak, like soy sauce, like anything fermented really, like cheeses, like sardines, like these meaty, that like savory, meaty flavor that we have come to know as umami. I understood the chemical responsible for that based on the research, the Japanese research that is the original research on it is glutamates are responsible for that flavor. And you are saying that it's not just the glutamates. It's also, uh, take it away. Uh, Tell me what you were. Glutamates and it's free glutamates. That's why like an aged steak. Right. Mm -hmm. um, Or Spanish ham is different than just any mm-hmm. meat because all meats Serrano, and, yeah. will have a large amount of glutamate amino acids bound in them, glutamate, but it's yeah. bound mm-hmm. to other amino acids mm-hmm. and yeah. this is another place where theoretically we don't have to have free glutamates for feeding the gut because our gut bacteria break down the proteins or in our own bodies we break down the proteins and get the glutamine out and then give it to the wherever it's needed so we don't have to have free glutamate we get it found the place that it gets complicated is our enterocytes that's the cells of our gut lining they are highly dependent on large amounts glutamate and they cannot get enough from our own body we can't supply them through blood flow with enough glutamate so the gut bacteria have to provide them with that free glutamate by basically breaking it down in the lower intestines Mm. and sending it back up. Now, that's dependent on having really healthy gut bacteria. And in talking about this, we may not have that. Mm -hmm. We may be working on that. So our umami-rich herbs provide free-form glutamine or glutamate in food form, which can help to nourish those enterocytes. And so basically... The fermentation, the aging processes release that. Now, the interesting part is the real strong umami flavor doesn't come from glutamate alone. It comes from the combination of glutamate with inosate or inosine. It actually comes with a combination of glutamate with either inosine or another breakdown of a nucleotide. So guanate, I think is how you say it. Mm is broken down from mushrooms and comes down from meat sources. And then there's a f- one that I can't remember right now that comes from shellfish. But both, but either of those three mm. that are basically yeah. broken, down, broken down DNA in a way, they're broken down nucleotides, when tasted in combination with free glutamine or glutamate, give the strongest umami flavor. And we see that in combinations. So, for instance, when you take beef, bony beef, and boil it with mirepoix, so onions, celery, and carrots, you're getting the perfect Mm -hmm. mixture from those two sources of inosine and glutamate, free glutamate, to make it umami. And that's why... When you boil a stew in that way with the mirepoix, you get that, oh, it's so rich and good. You get the same thing in Chinese kungi when you mix chicken with both ginger and green onions. In Japanese cooking, you get it when you mix the dashi, the little dried fish, with seaweeds. Mm -hmm. And so those combinations together is what do it. And then we have other things like soy sauce 
that have both already in them in their in the right. process of fermenting soy. And the cool thing is, is that we're now getting new research showing that inosine has a lot of beneficial properties for the enterocytes as well. It seems to help to mm. balance the immune system. It's been it's being studied right now, especially for combating enterocyte death during chemotherapy. So there's bustling mm. research on that inosine probably feeds these enterocytes as well as glutamine that we already knew it fed the enterocytes. So in the end, we get to this thing of umami foods. The more umami we have, we're actually we, we are actually giving some nourishment to our enterocytes, which is really exciting. The tissue integrity of our enterocytes, which the enterocytes, again, are the building block cells of yes. the digestive system. Oh my God, mind-blowing. I love it. Again, I am like an umami Fiend. And I feel like a lot of people are. That's part of what I, a big part of what I feel like tastes good. And so there's this. Yeah. It's interesting because that that there's like this evolutionary impetus for those foods and us gravitating towards those foods that are rich in umami because they would have helped because our help. the tissue integrity. Yeah. We would maintain or reestablish our tissue integrity. A lot of umami foods also many of them have butyric acid, which is an yeah. organic acid that is another food for the enterocytes that mm. the gut bacteria make typically in, mm-hmm. in a healthy sense yep. they're making a ton so of like 10 to 15 percent of your energy expenditure is provided by those by is, the butyric yeah, acid made in your guts mm-hmm. right yeah 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 and amazing so okay many of those food many of the foods we're talking about like parmesan cheese and anchovies and mm-hmm. anchovies that have a little bit of that extra butyric acid as well so we can think of it when we're enjoying those luxurious foods that we're yeah. also are feeding i'm feeding, feeding my enterocytes guts. yeah amazing okay dear listeners there you have it a very rich and robust elemental metaphor for understanding what makes robust good optimal functional digestion fire digestive fire your stomach acid your bile secretion your pancreatic enzyme secretion air motility, the movement, the flow of things through the system at the correct pace and and at the correct times and the coordination of the muscular contractions. Water, mucosal, like the element of and the role that the that mucosa play in the digestive system in facilitating digestion and facilitating immune monitoring in the gut and just hydration and protection of those tissues from the other tissues as in the case of the stomach. And then finally earth the integrity and the structure and what houses all of those mechanisms and all of that hardware if you will and all of those processes and again this is a metaphor for understanding this this is not necessarily like literally attaching them to a specific physiological process although in some cases we can do that this is a way for you to access and understand and structure your thinking around okay where what do i feel like i'm missing do i have enough fire do i have enough air is there something going on with my water element of this do i need to think about my tissue integrity so that is our intention for you is to use this as a way to think about where you can bolster and where your digestion can use some extra support because as we mentioned at the beginning of the last episode the only system more important than your digestive system in terms of your foundational health is arguably your nervous system right so those two are the major players in this game of foundational health so if we like we were saying our clinical work focuses on digestion and nervous system like 60 percent 70 percent sometimes more than that of our clinical work centers around 
what's going on with digestion? What can we do to support digestion? What's going on with the nervous system? What does it need? What can we do to support it? Not saying that that's everything. Of course it's not, but that's what your average person walking around on the street could do in order to vastly improve their health. Yeah. Beautiful. All right, dear listeners, we will be returning to some of our understanding stress episodes in the coming times, but also stay tuned for our take on some of our microbiome and our microorganism pieces, because we have thoughts, as you might imagine, because we have thoughts about all the things. And like I mentioned, drop us a comment either on social or wherever you are listening to this podcast, whether it's Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, wherever, and let us know what your thoughts are, what what your questions you have, what you would like to see more of, and we will do our best to incorporate that into future episodes. This has been the Move Nourish podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Alyssa. And I'm Forrest. And we will catch you next time.